What's up, folks, and welcome back to another edition of Riding the Pine. Jack Ride and I are back with you all today, and as always, we have another world-class episode for everyone at home today, but before I get into all of that, let's take a little dive into the last episode. I was joined by not just one, but two great guests who have been recurring guests on Riding the Pine, former overseas pro basketball player Case Bruton and former minor league baseball player Tyler Smith. Tyler and Case both share what it's been like getting out of their professional sports, how they've been able to adjust to their new careers now, and so much more. So if you want to hear about their post-playing careers, go check out episode 237 and all 237 episodes that are out now on all podcast platforms. Now, getting into today, we're going to be joined by a great guest who comes from the minor league baseball world, current Bowling Green Hot Rods baseball player in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. Patrick Wicklander. Patrick and I get into his career on the mound and what it was like starting out his career in the SEC playing for Arkansas, how he was able to overcome a diagnosis of diabetes early on in his baseball career and what that has been like for him and how that has changed his training and not to mention what the adjustment has been like for him going from the college level of baseball to the pros and so much more. So if you want to hear about Patrick's incredible journey to Bowling Green, don't go anywhere because Patrick will be here in just a few moments. So with that, folks, Let's make our way into our show for today. So as always, be sure to find your favorite seat here on the bench with me. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And I'm here with current Bowling Green Hot Rods minor leaguer in the Tampa Bay Rays organization, Patrick Wicklander. Patrick, great to get you on the show today, my friend. How's it going? It's going great. Wonderful. Well, hey, listen, I know that you are very busy. I know that we were chatting a little bit off air. The season is slowly but surely coming to a close here, about five or so weeks left. How's the season been for you and your team? And what's it been like just having a full season of of normalcy, if you will, especially coming out of the last two years with the pandemic and whatnot? Um, as a as a whole, the season's been going great. I mean, I came up about uh, like a month or so before the All Star break against Greensboro, but um, individually, seasons like it's had its ups and downs. And in Low A and Charleston, all those things were going great. First uh, first start up here was really good. Then kind of come like after that, it's been kind of like a little bit of mixed emotions for me. But um, sense of normalcy, it's huge. Um, even at Arkansas in the tw- uh, 21, it wasn't like the most normal season in the world. COVID was still there. So, but being able to have a fr- my first full season be a somewhat more normal season is really a breath of fresh air. Now, with it being that first full, you know, normal season in however many years it's been, have you noticed yourself getting fatigued or maybe, you know, slowing down a little bit at points of the season where you would normally not be slowing down? Um, I would say fatigue because kind of going into spring training, um, I was able to talk to actually Todd Bradley a little bit and kind of ask him how he dealt with his first full season. He said it was a lot of... Uh, workload management so kind of being able to manage how much I throw during in between starts how I uh how much I throw on start day and all that fun stuff and just kind of really taking care of your body because my yeah I want a good season but my also one of my main goals this year is to have my first full season a healthy season 
Yeah, I mean, the health thing, especially for, for you pitchers, I mean, that is such an important thing. And I don't think people really realize, especially if you're not in baseball, and especially if you're not a pitcher, realizing how much just that rest time and that time away, it, it, it has such an impact on your ability to pitch. Now, I know you mentioned that you were moved up into high A during the season this year. So what was that like for you, just getting adjusted to going from one level to the next and just kind of having to go through that transition? Um, kind of going through that transition, um, going from low to high, it was the first start was like, I would say my eyes a really good start, but then kind of after that, things kind of started turning downhill a little bit for me. So I got, um, started, I started talking to our pitching coach a little bit more, seeing what was going on, seeing my numbers, what needs to change. So the adjustment wasn't exactly the smoothest, but I'm now able to like, it's, I'm getting step by step there like almost everything's clicking for me especially at the right time of the year uh, as the season's winding down and getting ready for playoffs yeah it's definitely not a matter of of if you peak it's when you peak right and I, I i mean i remember back when i played you know sports oh so many years ago you'd always hear coaches saying you want to have your conditioning peak at the middle part or towards the latter part of the season not the beginning of the season because you know the latter part of the season is a much more important part of the year now what are some differences that you've noticed when you went from just single a to then high a i mean i know that a lot of guys that i've had on mention how once you go to high a you and 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 you go out of single a there's a big difference there have you noticed that and, and if so what are the differences that you've noticed from one level to the next uh yeah the uh, biggest notice i've seen not to discredit a bunch of the athletes in professional baseball but a lot of the hitters they uh they in low a, it's not as much of an approach compared to high because in low a, i would get swings and misses on pitches that were nowhere near the zone because of how eager they are and in high a, it's a lot more oh, you just threw a pitch that was just off the play. Here, I'll take it for a ball. And so it's just kind of getting adjusted to that, being able to be a little more fine when you need to be. And so it's just kind of trusting my stuff a little bit more, kind of get, somewhat getting back to where it was in high, just kind of throwing it towards the plate, let my stuff move. But I would say this is one of the bigger jumps I've had in my baseball career and talk, like again talking to our pitching coach he said yeah his biggest jump was from low A to high A too yeah, I mean, I hear that all the time. And, and I think that, you know, and even once you go from high A to double A and then so on and so forth, there's still a transition, but it's not as it's not as obvious as it is when you go from single A to high A. And again, what do I know? I'm just sh- sh- passing that information along. But I can kind of see that how, you know, you're you're going from one level to the next. And then as you keep going up the ladder, things start to kind of even out a little bit in the playing field. But I want to get into your, your career, Patrick, and go from, you know, all the way to college to where we are at. Now, you started out at Arkansas, you're a Razorback, and I want to hear what made you want to continue your baseball career at Arkansas? Uh, I mean, my lifelong dream was being in the SEC. You know, you always hear the SEC is the best baseball conference. Yeah, though, because there would be people out there that disagree. But in my opinion, it's the best baseball conference in the nation. So just being able to go in and compete day in and day out with guys that you know are going to be in the big leagues at some point in their career, I feel like that just mentally and physically prepared me to get ready for pro ball at some point. Whether it was last year, which it was, or depending on how my career career went, just whenever that choice was. But I was able to be around guys like Isaiah Campbell, who just got promoted to double-A, Heston Kerstad, 
Casey Martin, Dominic Fletcher. I was lucky enough to be able to be around those guys and kind of see how they took care of business, like just professionally. And so being around that really prepared me for pro ball. And it's just, there's no better atmosphere than Bob Walker Stadium either. Yeah, I actually I've read a lot of things about just the the fandom that Arkansas baseball has, and I've also seen a a, a few tweets that you and and the fan base of Arkansas have gone back and forth about. You know, I believe maybe it was this past year or a year before that where Arkansas lost to Texas A and M, and a lot of fans weren't too happy, and you kind of had to let them know, hey, listen, you know, we're 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 a very good program, we're a very storied program. Does that kind of get on your nerves as as a player, where fans and people on the internet they they try to act like they've got, you know, all the answers, if you will, and they clearly don't. I mean, does that kind of get on your nerves and, and, and frustrate you a little bit? Uh, I would say yes and no to a certain extent, but I got to be able to just like be able to see it and brush it off. I mean, I've been able to do that since high school, but it's just, it's especially being from a program like Arkansas and people saying stuff like that. And just, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, my guys were fine. Just don't, no need to hit, hit the panic button. And that's just me playing. That's just me being a player too. Like you don't hit the panic button. And just, and especially knowing a lot of the guys on the team still, it was just like, they're still, they're going to figure it out. Whether it's sooner or later or whatever, but they'll figure it out at the right time. It's just how it's just always it's just how my fears of Arkansas were like God, like we didn't we didn't have everyone clicking all the right cylinders until at the right moment and it was when everyone everything was firing off it was great. <laughs> Well, exactly. And, and that's, you know, it's when things start to go the, the way that you want them to go and everything is, is completely fine. Right. And I think, you know, it's very easy for a fan to get on social media and say whatever when they're they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Right. You do. You know how these guys are on a daily basis. You probably lived with some of those guys. You're eating with them. You're doing everything with them. And, you know, what is, you know, somebody with a random username, one, two, three, four, five, know about Arkansas baseball. Right. So I I, I can definitely see where you know that would be very very annoying but you made a, a smooth transition right into the SEC in Arkansas your freshman year where do you where in your pitching do you feel you really excelled the most during that first season where you you really had like an effortless transition to the SEC um I wouldn't say it's effortless kind of going into that first fall ball I was struggling a little bit but my first season, um, I would say the bet where everything kind of clicked for me was my first second SEC start against Mississippi State. And, I mean, they had dudes like uh, Foskey, Westberg, Rowdy Jordan, even Small through that Friday night. And they, like, if you look at those names, so, some of those dudes are top 100 prospects in baseball and, one made, and Small made his debut this year with the Brewers. So it's like, it just... It was really cool to be able to go out and do that against that team. I mean, I threw four shutout innings. Yeah, I wasn't, I was in the line for the win, but I felt like it was the best I've thrown the ball since being on campus. How much did you notice your confidence go up after that performance? Um, I would say it went, it shot up relatively a lot after that performance because I kind of just try to take that one into my next outing. I think it was against Tennessee. And I think I went five and two thirds of sh- no hit ball before I gave up a double down the left field line. <laughs> 
Well, you have an iron trap mind, my friend. I mean, yeah, yeah, that memory is unbelievable. I, I, you're, you're remembering things like that. That's that's very impressive. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's you know uh, when when you can make that quick of a transition. And I know you said that it was a little bit of a rocky road in, in, in fall ball. But you know, I think the, that's the great thing about fall ball is it kind of allows you to work those kinks out, and then you go into the spring season. I mean, do you kind of look back at that year and say, you know, if I don't have the rocky start in fall ball that I I do you know maybe i don't have the 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 season that i did that i did in the springtime oh yeah i mean it it allows me to kind of go through like hey ups and downs are going to happen especially at the highest one of the higher levels in baseball so kind of being able to overcome that and mentally prepare for what the season's going to come because like when season hits it's nothing like compared to fall ball i mean you don't have thirteen thousand people yelling at you to throw, to throw a damn strike over fall ball where it's like a few hundred people coming out to watch you play watching the Hawks practice so just kind of being able to mentally prepare for it it was it was a blessing yeah, I, I don't think people really realize the importance of fall ball. I mean, it, it's and even just now, you know, right now speaking with you and just thinking about it, you know, the impact that fall ball has, you know, that's that's, I think, critical, really, for, for baseball players. Now, after your freshman year, again, you, you go from being a, a starter first two years and then you get moved to the bullpen your junior season. So I'm curious to hear from you what that change was like for you and how you handled that change from being a routine starter to then coming out of the bullpen. Uh, yeah, I can tell you straight up, I did not really start a role junior fall in even the few spring practices we had. <clears throat> I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, I, don't, I didn't deserve it. So I kind of started mentally preparing, all right, how can I help this team win? Like, what I got to do? If it's out of the bullpen, all right. So it was just kind of more kind of mentally being ready every single day, kind of took on that reliever mentality. And then one start or one outing against Alabama happened and our starter didn't do too hot. I come in in like the third and throw, I think like five and a third of one run ball. And then I come out, our coach, our pitching coach comes up to me and goes, hey, get ready for start next Friday against Mississippi State. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I said, and that, and that was like when everything kind of turned around for me. So, when you were having to go through that kind of mentality adjustment, I mean, what what is that like for, for a pitcher? I mean, kind of bring us into the mind of a pitcher, if you will. I mean, like you said, that every being ready every single day mentality, I'm sure, is drastically different from your being a starter, and you have to be ready, you know, one out of, one out of every five days. So how what did that look like in terms of just having to change that mentality and that approach every time you went out to the mound? Uh, kind of that mentality is more like, hey, you have to have a short memory because you might throw back-to-back days. <laughs> so, like, if you throw Friday, get up a lead, it's like, all right, whatever. Got to get up. Come out Saturday and throw well. It, it kind of puts a, like, you, as a pitcher, you kind of put more pressure on yourself a little bit. At least I would. That's what I kind of did. Uh, not every reliever is like that. <laughs> so, just kind of being, a, like, kind of just flipping that mindset. It's like, okay, short mentality, just whatever happens, happens. Like, go up, go out, get outs. And it's like, whatever, like, like I said, whatever happens, happens, get out as fast as possible and give your chance, give your team a chance to win. So that's kind of like how I kind of learned to flip the mindset. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's so important for relief guys to have that almost amnesia, you know, being able to just say, hey, you know what, on to the next batter. I can't really worry about it because relief pitching, it's, you know, you're coming in for maybe three batters, maybe four batters, you know, a handful of guys. And, and, you know, they can really kind of change the trajectory of how the game is going. Now, during all that time, obviously, you also had the pandemic that you were dealing with in the midst of college, but then also you wind up getting diagnosed with, with, with diabetes during your time at Arkansas. So, so probably a lot of things are going on in your life. I mean, what was that kind of time frame in your life leading up to that diagnosis? And then also afterwards, how did that impact your just training and, and working out and whatnot? Um, so during, happened to the pandemic, I, was, I just like lost a bunch of weight, went to the doctor, ER, spent a few days in the ICU to get everything situated. Then came back to working out. And our strength, uh, I say in Fayetteville during the pandemic because California was on like lockdown. So in Fayetteville, it was just kind of, I mean, I told my parents this. I was like, if COVID was big enough, I'm pretty sure people in Arkansas would shoot it. Just kind of, <laughs> they, it was like, yeah, there was restrictions, but not as much as California. Right. So being in Fayetteville, I was able to still work out with our strength coach and stuff like that whenever I came back. Or like whenever I was back, like physically ready. And kind of the training for it, our strength coach kind of kept an eye on me. Asked, like every uh, every five ten minutes or so, he would just ask how I'm feeling and stuff like that. But like my numbers in every aspect went up in the weight room. And I'll sit here and say that diabetes has been a blessing in my life, blessing in disguise. And it kind of heightened my focus because it's it allowed me to be like, hey. I got to take care of this or else my body ain't going to take care of itself anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, very scary. Uh, and especially during, you know, the pandemic and, and there's all that uncertainty that's going on and just, you know, that, that coming about and you're just kind of like, whoa, where did this come from now? What did you, what kind of changed in terms of, you know, I know you, 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 you brought up how you had it, you realized you had to take care of your body in a different way. What did you have to start doing and what was, you know, that routine maybe like for you in terms of the different things that you were doing to take care of yourself? It was more just of a, hey, how's my body reacting to different foods? Like, how's my body feel the night before I start? Because, like, one, obviously, uh, diabetes carbs are what shoots up your blood sugar. And I didn't have a very carb-heavy diet to begin with. And just kind of being able to watch my blood sugars and how my body felt. And I could say that when my blood sugar was under control, my body has never felt better. Like, recovery is better. I just feel physically better and on the mound. I just felt better overall. And it just allowed me to stay consistent with with that aspect of my life. And when that stayed consistent with me, everything else kind of followed along. Now, have you found it being, have you found it to be challenging when you're on the road and trying to, to keep upkeep with that diet? Um, not really. I mean, my diet didn't really change a whole lot. I already know, like, I know a lot of, like, what foods shoot up my sugar, stuff like that. So, I mean, I could, I mean, my doctor said it best. Everything is fine in moderation. (laughs) 
That's very true. No, it's it's uh, it's very very true. I mean, I think uh, you know a lot of people should live life like that in moderation and and in balance. You know what I mean? Um, you know that's a very important thing to have. But like you said, you come back from that from that health episode, and you have an unbelievable season on the mound for Arkansas. What was that like to just get back into kind of that form and that pitching, especially what you were coming out of, and 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 being able to carry that momentum forward. Let's see. I mean, coming out of that, I mean, I was like, how's this going to affect me, really? And just kind of, thankfully, I had all summer to kind of learn it and figure it out, figure out my body and how everything reacted in different ways. And just kind of being like, I just want to get ready for a big junior year. Like, yeah, it's my draft year. I want to throw well. I want to do well. I want to take the scene to Omaha. 21 ended up being one of, the, one of our best seasons and high history for the baseball program and so it was just like like looking back on it I was like wow I literally came back from fighting for death fighting for life really I mean, that's why what my body was into I uh, like I'm starting Friday nights in the SEC with one of the best teams in college baseball this year so it was it was really cool to like look back and reminisce on it yeah, I'm sure you probably had a lot of moments where you were almost pinching yourself because you weren't sure if you were dreaming. I mean, I'm sure that was something that, you know, especially during that time period when you're in the hospital, you're probably sitting there wondering, you know, what's going to happen, you know, um, and then you come out of that. And, and then ultimately you get drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays. And I'm sure that was probably an even more exciting thing for you individually and personally. What was that moment like that day and just that entire sequence of events, getting that phone call and learning that you had been drafted? It was really cool. It was one of those things you dream of when you're five. It was like, this is something I've literally worked my entire life for. And it's one of those moments you, it's still like, wow, this is real. And one of my buddies, he was actually, uh, he was at Arkansas with me. He's from Northern California too. He actually FaceTimed me because he got drafted, I think that round before me. So he was celebrating and he FaceTimed me. He goes, dude, we're professional baseball players. I was like, yeah, we are. This is sick. <laughs> so it just kind of, the special part was like, I celebrated with my family, um, my girlfriend, her family. And so just kind of having the people that really care about me and I really care about around, like made it that just extra special. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure just such a such a cool moment for you, your family and, and friends and everybody else around you. And uh, especially just all that you had gone through in your in, in your career, you know, going from starting to then in the bullpen to then, you know, everything, just being able to ultimately have that kind of cherry on top being being getting drafted by the Rays, I'm sure had been a really, really cool moment for you. Now, what was that adjustment like for you going from college to the pros, you know, not only just baseball, but, you know, just lifestyle wise, right? I mean, I'm sure you're obviously playing a lot more your schedule's a little bit different so what was that whole change in adjustment for you going from college to the pros I would say the biggest adjustment is like you're more kind of like on your own unless you ask for help a little bit if that makes any sense because college it's more hey we need to win we need to win we need to win while pro ball like yeah winning's important but in the minor leagues it's a lot of developmental and so just kind of it's still like kind of get used to that like hey I'm still developing but yes you still need to compete too like that, co- that competition like that competitor and you ain't going anywhere it's just still like 
okay, I need to do this, this, or this more. It was just knowing how to prepare, prepare off the field as much as you do on the field. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I think that makes complete sense because, you know, you're going from the college to the pros. So I'm sure you're looking at, I mean, again, you know, you're having to also realize that you're going up against guys that are coming from college to the pros. So now they're changing their approach at the plate. They're changing, you know, what they're doing. And I'm sure as a result, it forces you to change what you're doing. Have you noticed much change in your pitching and your just pitching repertoire since you've come to the pros? I mean, have you added a pitch or two or have you been able to add a couple, you know, extra you know a little bit more speed to a certain pitches um i have actually in southern college i was like i was still a four pitch guy and i'm still a four pitch guy here i just don't throw a curveball anymore I throw a cutter and a slider instead of a curveball slider <laughs> and i would say i use my change up a lot more than i did in college because in college i was predominantly fastball slider so kind of like pitching arsenal wise that's what i would say and i would i, I feel like i'm as health, healthy and as fresh as I was like three months ago. So it's just kind of being able to see and like kind of see what, like how the year plays out. And so like, that's the cool part of baseball is that each year, you know, find a way to be consistent, but each year is a little different. Yeah, and I think that that that's the important thing of it is finding that consistency, but being able to tweak it along the way because you know you're going to have to find what works for you, you know, and what's going to work for your body and how your body is going to respond to whatever it might be that you're doing. But Patrick, you've been great to get on the show. Just a wonderful, wonderful interview and story to hear about yourself. But before I let you go, I've got one last question. It involves kind of an epiphany, a realization, and you might have maybe hinted at it when you mentioned that you and your friend had FaceTimed each other when you each other when you guys had gotten drafted, but when did you realize, and it really kind of set in your mind and you said, you know what, I can be a professional baseball player. This is not some, you know, crazy idea. I can truly, truly, truly pursue this and do this. Um, the junior year, uh, what start was it? It was Mississippi state. It was, it was like our second, second SEC series. And I go, I go out, uh, the five innings, one run. And I'm like, yeah, college is cool, but when when's pro ball going to be called? So, kind of mentally, I've always known from junior year, I was like, I could be a baseball, I could be a professional baseball player. Just amount of time away. <laughs> I didn't want to force at all. Like, you can't. That's the process. You can't force. You just gotta you gotta keep throwing and let everything take care of itself. Absolutely. I think that's a a great way to go about it. You know, just kind of, you know, you roll the ball out there and you see what happens. And and after that, it's kind of like it's out of your control a little bit. So I think that's a great mentality to have. But Patrick, like I said, been great to get you on the show today. Good luck the rest of the season. I hope that you guys finish strong. You individually finish strong. And I would love to get you back on the show, my friend. Let's chat soon. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. And there he goes, Patrick Wicklander, another fantastic episode today, everyone. Thanks for joining me here on the bench. Be sure to keep following and subscribing to Ride in the Pine on Apple and Spotify and keep following on Twitter at Ride the Pine 20, RTP all capital, Instagram at riding underscore the underscore pine underscore, and on TikTok at Ride in the Pine all lowercase for all the latest updates on episodes and content to come. All 238 episodes are out now. Keep leaving those ratings and reviews. And again, folks, make sure you're following on all social media platforms 
platforms. You're following on all podcast platforms as well. And you're making sure that you're staying up to date on all of the latest things going around RTP. But once again, everyone, thanks so much for joining me today. And until next time on Riding the Pine, keep on sitting the bench with me.